Hi everyone, welcome back to Highly Inspired. I'm Ella. I'm Jordan. Hi everyone, welcome back. Um, we actually have a very special guest so we want to introduce to you this week. Emily, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi everyone, what's up? <laughs> How's it going? Um, so Emily actually went to Chapman with us. Um, she graduated a few, two years ago? One year ago? Uh, a year ago. A year yeah, ago, yeah. okay. And she was in DG with us and Jordan played tennis with her so... Uh, We got to know her a little bit during her time here at school with us. And she actually has her own podcast, um, What Fulfills You. And so we're really excited to have her on. And she's going to talk about that and a little bit about her life. And yeah. She is extremely multifaceted, does a ton of things with her time. So perfect example of kind of what (laughs) we try to um, encourage. I don't know. It's good to have a lot of hobbies and mm-hmm. career endeavors and just all of that. And she's moving to New York soon. So this mm-hmm. actually works out really well that we're able to do this, um, given the pandemic and yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, should we just like go ahead and start with a question? Yeah, go and go for it. Okay. So, um, as you just said, we played tennis growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of something that I am curious to know. So you, you played USTA. Mm-hmm. U, USTA, USTA, for someone um, who doesn't know, it's basically like a concept of tournaments for mm-hmm. um, minors to go play in. Um, and it's really interesting um, being in that competitive of an atmosphere without having to go to college yet to play. Mm-hmm. So um, I learned a ton from it. I never like saw you because you're from a different part of the country. Mm-hmm. But What is like one of the biggest things that you learned from doing that and training super hard to play and um, giving up your time on weekends and all of that? So I think just being a competitive athlete in itself, because I was also a figure skater and I did both sports at the same time, I learned a lot about self-discipline and also just being competitive in general. So, you know, when you're on the court by yourself, at the age of 10, right? Yeah. Like you're learning how to be, how to have, build the drive to win out there by yourself. And I think that's part of why I am where I am today, like at a relatively young age, because I kind of learned at such a young age how to do it on my own. Like no mm-hmm. one's on the court with me telling me to hit it to her backhand or hit it, you know, do whatever. It's yeah. like I'm out there by myself. And even when we're young, we naturally get, you know, stage fright and afraid of playing in front of people or doing something in front of people. So I think. It just taught me how to be independent, but then also how to uh, kind of have self-discipline to want to do something for myself. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm out there, I want to win for myself, not just for my coach or my parents or whatever, you know, as we go into college. Yeah, and, yeah. and it boosts your confidence, before, um, I mean, hugely, because mm-hmm. the game isn't over until it's over. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Something interesting that I kind of picked up when what you were kind of talking about is that tennis really seemed to shape your mindset mm-hmm. and kind of your sense of independence, which was something that Jordan and I really admire about you as a person. It was mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you onto the podcast. And actually, one of our podcasts kind of values that we have is independent thinking and thinking Mm -hmm. for yourself and being driven as well as kind of being a generalist and taking on a lot of different Mm -hmm. things at one time and really putting your time into lots of different outlets and that sort of thing and so something that we kind of wanted to ask you was do you kind of consider yourself a generalist or do you think that you're more specialized into different areas Um, I think I, I don't know how to explain it, but I think I've always been really good at like many different things. And I don't, I honestly just think I was maybe born gifted like that. I think so many people used to tell me, oh, you can't be a top skater and a top tennis player. Like you have to do one. And I always was the type of person that said, (laughs) 
like why not like if no one else has done this it, is why, exactly yeah. it yeah. like why can't I be the one to do it and obviously I did um and then as well you know I played piano as well for like eight to ten years and I just did many different things so I think that in itself as well made me realize like growing up now I'm out of college many people my age who are 23 at just out of college are on the boat of like having one corporate job and having one source of income Mm -hmm. and a lot of advice i've been giving especially during this pandemic is like this is a great example as to why you shouldn't listen to your elders that said Mm -hmm. all right just focus on one thing or go get a job and like have the security i understand that to a certain extent but then look at all the people that lost their jobs during covid and then now have nothing to do or are still like searching for something and I told people I'm very fortunate to start my corporate job but if I didn't have it I still would have something to do every single day I'd still be up at 6 a.m and like working on my business podcast blog everything else I do outside of the job and so I always advise people even if you don't know if you're good at other things you have to try like you have to explore those options and not listen to people that said oh you should only do one thing and kind Mm of live like average and I'm not a believer in living average, like, or what other people tell you to do. I think that's a really good perspective because I think the reason why we get that advice from our parents or grandparents is because they really didn't have the Mm -hmm. options that we do now, especially. I mean, the fact that we have our phone and our laptop, like, there's really no excuse why you shouldn't be doing other things with your time. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, like, when you're caught up in things and, you know, things are going well, you know, you might have a corporate job and you might have an eight to five schedule and you just have that and then time with your friends or whatever, or watching Netflix. Um, it isn't till crisis mode where you're like, oh shoot, I have to figure out how to spend my time elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I have to figure out where to get money. And so I think you bring up a really, really good point that I never thought about just diversifying your income the same mm-hmm. you would with, um, you know, a stock portfolio yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I also don't, always look at things as income sources either I actually respect people that have hobbies or Mm -hmm. more educational endeavors that have absolutely nothing to do with money but Mm -hmm. it's solely because they're just interested in it and obviously sports is a good example because that's obviously something you have to dedicate time to but is there anything that you do just as like a hobby outside of something that's like physically active or outside of a source of income I know you're busy though so yeah yeah. (laughs) I mean blogging and stuff like that is still um like half and half it's like not necessarily income for me at all but it's very much like what I've always loved to do like everyone always starts out at ground zero anyways like when I first started blogging and doing podcasting and all that like you know I don't I don't make money off of it I do it because I genuinely love it um but other things that I do which people might think is like really weird but I practice LSAT questions for oh yeah oh that's sick (laughs) that's so sick the LSAT is literally the hardest exam ever yeah that's um, Why? Yeah, but I just do it for fun. <laughs> well, I'm a huge believer as well in also just always, um, you know, out, now that I'm out of college, like, I don't believe like my education or my like, uh, I guess like my brain stamina mm-hmm. like should be decreasing. Like no, I, always, I always try to like challenge my brain to think and on the LSAT um, or any kind of test like that, it makes you think very logically and use um, reasoning and critical thinking to answer certain questions and it just kind of turns on your brain in a different way. So mm-hmm. obviously being in a social environment, it turns on like your emotional intelligence and how to interact with people, how to communicate with people. Yeah. But you know, when it comes to really sharpening your brain in terms of like critical thinking and things like that, I think the LSAT is such like a great example of that because the LSAT in itself, it's, it's difficult. But it's also difficult because from what I've learned, like the foundation of it is a lot of what we've learned as a kid, like how to critically think and how to answer certain questions or how to figure out like 
I don't know. You should look into it. It's pretty cool. That's really cool. You kind it's, of inspired it's, it's kind of like me. I feel like I would love this. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I have stuff like that, too, that is just super weird, but yeah. you just do it because you like it and exactly. it gets well, your brain especially working. especially your brain, it doesn't stop developing until you're at least 25. Yeah, yeah, so when yeah. you graduate school yeah. at 21, you still have four primal mm-hmm. years where you should be working on your brain to make sure it's good yeah. for the rest of your life, Forever. you know? Ever. Oh, my gosh. And what you said about how when you're young, we learn critical thinking mm-hmm. skills. Mm-hmm. Honestly, what I've seen, at least through high school I feel like there's a lot of people that lose some of those fundamentals and either it's because they're not exercising them or they just think it's like overrated they're more maybe it's laziness or they've never really had it to begin with because school really doesn't teach you Mm -hmm. critical thinking Mm -hmm. that's something that either you learn like because your parents make it a priority or you naturally have it or your friends Mm -hmm. make you engage but if you don't have some sort of reasoning why you're practicing it you're Mm -hmm. not going to do it and also a lot of jobs at least for starting jobs outside of college I mean it's very rare for someone to be put into a position in a corporate setting where they have this massively critical thinking um like these tasks that allow them to do that a lot are kind of more entry positions where Mm -hmm. they're doing more um excuse my language bitch work yeah so (laughs) we just try not to cuss on the show but basically like those aren't allowing them to actually critical think and mm-hmm. use deductive reasoning of, about yeah. society. It's more just like, okay, you're a robot, do that. Yeah. And so um, it's good outside of um, that job setting to go and do something that's going to make your brain work. Yeah, and kind of going off of what you said with um, school not really teaching that and really being an outlet for it, Jordan and I actually feel like Chapman is a very weird college experience. We it's feel, an anomaly. It's an anomaly. We feel like a lot of our friends have something outside of school we have friends that have a film production company a clothing Mm -hmm. company whatever we've heard your story obviously we have the podcast your experience at Chapman did you feel like the community of students was like that where um, people had interests outside of school and Mm -hmm. were kind of managing a lot of different things or did you not really experience that as much you know that's I think that's actually something I really loved about Chapman so I did go to UC Irvine for two years I don't know if you guys knew that or remember that but um, when I transferred to Chapman I think that was one of the things I noticed significantly different about the student body here is that most people had something like a unique interest like Mm -hmm. in something else outside of like school or just like a lot of kids at UC Irvine were just like biology majors or like engineering or business or whatever. Very like, just geared towards yeah. one thing. And, and very just were, I don't know, black and white. Honestly, the school in itself. And honestly, my two years at a UC school, I've learned like the UC system is black and white. And not to shit on UC system, but I would, if I could go back in time, I would not go to a UC school. I don't think it's actually that great as they publish about mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. But at Chapman, I just saw how well-rounded the student body was and like and is and also the teachers i noticed a lot of the professors here part-time they yeah. have other yeah. stuff a that lot they of do. them have yeah. different things or a lot of them even because i was in the business school as well a lot of them were were retired and were literally just teaching for fun and wanted they to love give it. back yeah, yeah. To which give that back means they're teach. actually passionate i have about so it. much respect for that like mm-hmm. i can't even put it into words yeah yeah, no, I mean, I, okay. I really loved my experience at Chapman. I just think people are trying different things. And, um, you know, I, I just think Chapman's actually a really great school. It's really underrated. That was the first thing I said when I came here and I transferred yes. here. I was like, shit, Chapman's I think it's kind of underrated. a hidden gem. Because even when I first came and toured, and, um, I mean, I knew a little bit about it. And, honestly, tennis was probably, like, one of the biggest reasons why I ended up coming mm-hmm. here. But I instantly noticed that. And I think that our graduating class that we're in right now – we're surrounded by so many people that have all these other things. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that way about your friends here? 
I'd or... say for the most part, yeah. I mean, like, I felt like they, I felt like what I was doing outside of school or DG or whatever else I was doing, they weren't weirded out by it as much. Yes. It was encouraged. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they were encouraged yes. by it, and they are like, oh, like, they were always supporting me too, whereas I definitely did not get nearly the same support at UC Irvine, or in fact, That's... some of them were often jealous, yes. and that was a huge red flag to me always, and so I felt like I always had to downplay a lot of the mm. things I did. And when I had a business already as a freshman, they're like, you know, what is that? Or like, you know, whatever about you. And I always just like never said it because I didn't want people to feel like I was trying to be like this Better or whatever. Than that, yeah. And when I came here, it just felt like people were more naturally like, oh, that's so awesome. Like I'm doing this too. Like, let's see if we could ever work together. It's really, really collaborative. Amazing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's really cool. You brought that up because that's I mean, I didn't go to a different college, but I can kind of compare my high school experience to yeah. my friends in college. And I definitely feel like whenever I go home, I have to downplay my successes. I don't talk about what mm-hmm. I do outside of school. Mm-hmm. I have very, like, dumb conversations. It's reserved. It's reserved. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that I when I, ha- when I get into those conversations, because I have the same thing, um, I love my friends from home. Like, mm-hmm. I'll never not want to be friends with my friends from high school. Yeah. But it's like... I am on such a different path and on such a different wavelength mm-hmm. with the types of com- types of conversations I have and mm-hmm. the things that I have going on in my life yeah. that they, it's like they think it's weird or something or yeah. it's it's bizarre and it's, it's out not, of the lane. It, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, and it's um hard. It's kind of sad, but I mean, do you have any advice for someone like that who goes to a school where maybe they don't have as much of a support yeah a support system or that encouragement and, to go off and do something yeah and they, they want they have a blog or something they want to publish mm-hmm. like do you have any advice to kind of push them over the edge to go yeah. for it you know my best advice would definitely to always be looking for like-minded people to connect with so for me when I was like a junior and senior in college during my two years at Chapman I remember not only was I trying to be very specific about the friends I made in DG but also the friends that I made in class because they're likely like-minded or interested in certain topics like I am because of the same major or I found the clubs that I liked as well like I for once like did something instead of Greek life like I also did other things like the strong movement strong mm-hmm. club I was also president of that because That's I'm very sweet. passionate about like health and wellness and like yeah. I value that a lot so that was something I was going out of my way to find people that liked the same thing mm-hmm. and then even for like my blogging like creator world I was also reaching out to people on Instagram like a lot of the people I have on my podcast or people that are now my friends and they're pretty relatively big in that world like it's because I reached out to them asked them to get coffee because I could genuinely tell we were like-minded we thought the same things and so I reached out to those people and I wanted to make sure I had friends in college but also outside of college and thinking differently and that's how you grow as well like when you meet people that are a little bit older than you and a little bit you know in a different world like you're going to be able to get a taste of each of that and be able to bring that back into your world and help yourself grow. I respect that a lot because even though it sounds daunting, like it's extra work to schedule mm-hmm. something um, on top of the busy schedule that you already have, it's actually so much more effective to make those friendships that aren't in some bar setting or mm-hmm. aren't in some like, <laughs> I don't know. Cause yeah, I mean, you come party, up, you come yeah. a lot, you come across a lot of these people that you meet and seem cool and interesting that would benefit to your life, but it's at, like a party or a setting like that where it's not really as genuine or, and mm-hmm. authentic but then when you go outside of that environment and you put the work in and try to schedule something more like a coffee date or like yeah. or something like that then it's Did I don't know it's to add legit. to that too like kind of like the reason why I was very motivated to, to like find friends like just in different areas of life is because after like my significant breakup like my junior year of college I realized that I didn't have 
like a core circle of friends or a community of people that I could go to during that difficult time. And mm-hmm. so I made it essentially like a mission for like that year to like make sure I build meaningful relationships and make sure I reach out to people and take initiative because I cannot let like wait for people to come to me. Like if I want something, I simply just have to go and ask and find those people and they're not that hard to find like we have social media nowadays and you can just yeah. tell if they have yeah. similar interests or if they like to go to similar restaurants like you or if they're a major partier or if they're more like low-key so mm-hmm. those are just kind of you know why I'm like a huge advocate for it yeah and I think that you bring up a really good point um I heard this quote it was like we live in a lonely world with people just waiting for the other person to make the first move mm-hmm. and I honestly think that people really appreciate even though it sounds so weird like dming someone on instagram that you haven't met before but Mm -hmm. it actually people appreciate that and you know it's meaningful and it could create a whole relationship that otherwise wouldn't have existed Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and it it goes beyond trying to get like an actual hookup or something Mm -hmm. it's with friends too and we're constantly connected so there's no excuses exactly um we're all on our phones if it's on social media or something Mm -hmm. else like all these platforms were all on it. There's really not an excuse exactly. for why you couldn't make that happen. And I made my best friend in DG, like Avery. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys know oh, her. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's she was so nice. Yeah, yeah. she's super yeah. sweet. We technically met, obviously, because of DG, but because she slid in my DMs, like, I think, responded to one of my Instagram stories. I think oh, it was, like, wow. on my outfit. And this was, like, junior year of college. And then we ended up, like, going to get dinner and became, like, best friends since. Yeah. That's oh, really cool. So I always advised her, like, just, like, <laughs> so slide in people's DMs. Yeah. That's actually how I um, found my big... Oh, really? Yeah, like I just okay. DM'd her randomly Aww. and we just instantly knew. I think that was me. Well, I had met her briefly, uh-huh. but I had remembered it and then I ended up like reaching out again. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of DG, what was your kind of overall impression of transferring and then obviously joining? Or mm-hmm. what were you in DG at UC Irvine? Yeah. Okay, got yeah. it. So it was kind of already set up yeah. for you. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you guys know this story, but funny enough, like I actually got initiated at Chapman my freshman year, even though I was in the UCI chapter. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. But basically, <laughs> because we do Monday night meetings and stuff Sunday night like we do. Um, and basically, I had a Monday night class and I couldn't make the initiation. Oh, and then gotcha. I couldn't even make the makeup initiation because I think it was during Thanksgiving break and I was already home. Yeah. So then the girl in charge of doing initiation went mm-hmm. to go look for other chapters that was doing it around that time and Chapman was doing it like a week that's before hilarious. so I basically I got initiated with everyone that's like fall 15 okay oh and then, okay. yeah so which is pretty funny because then yeah. I came transferred and like half the people were like either they're my year or the year above like yeah. they were like oh my god you were that random girl so it was like funny it's a small circle and they yeah, end yeah, up graduating yeah. with these people exactly yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. kind of interesting um kind of going off the sorority stuff so obviously we all three were in the same sorority and Jordan and I definitely have our mixed feelings about Greek life. Um, And I feel like there's been a lot of discussions in the past few years kind of debating Greek life and if it should continue at certain schools. Do you have Mm -hmm. any kind of feelings around that? Do you think it's overall a good thing or do you think there's things that they could do better? Mm -hmm. Um, Also with fraternities too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll all open the floor. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, I do love Greek life. I mean, I've always had like very half and half where I love to get like shit faced and party a lot. Yeah. Um, As much as I love doing LSAT questions like on a random Friday (laughs) night. Like I still love It's a healthy mix, you know. I still love to Everything's a balance. Yeah. Um, But I definitely will say like I loved being in a sorority but also uh, even though I had leadership qualities I did not care 
to be a leader within DG. Um, mainly because my time was put in other things. Like, That's how you I know, feel. Yeah, like time's just, a matter of exactly. your priorities. And so um, I'm not a huge fan of the requirements that we have to be at certain things. And I, I kind of get it. I feel like there's a way. <laughs> Al and I look it. at each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always like. Um, <laughs> we didn't go to a single meeting last <laughs> yeah, year. I always like found a way to get out of it and not get fined. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think it's like a great way to bring a community together. I think mm, like yeah. one way or another, a lot of my best friends I met were through DG. Um, some of them were also not at Chapman at all. So it's it's like, a you know, depends what you go looking for. But um, I think it's good for universities, especially for the social aspect, because I have met people who never went to college or who, for example, are in like the YouTube world and that's like their full time career and they actually make like six figures mm-hmm. in doing YouTube. However, I noticed their lack of social intelligence and emotional intelligence and some of the things like hooking up and dating and things like that. What? They really? literally just were so unaware of how to approach certain conversations with people. Like when I brought my college friends around, like I just knew they would not vibe with my college friends because of that lack of social um, like intelligence, really. And so wow. that's why I'm a huge advocate for it to be there because I think from 18 to 22 23 it's important to learn like the greek like how greek life works and how like men like boys like think in college and like their desire to pick up and all these things as weird as it sounds like i like it kind of makes you smarter especially it with does the guys because you if know you which, to, yeah like you, you learn the reality <laughs> yeah yeah which is important though because you don't learn like you need to experience it to learn and to like understand it and i think the, the one of the some of the people yeah. i know who never went through it are literally like so socially out of yeah, it yeah well then and i'm like that is huge yeah, yeah yeah i also think that extends to people who are homeschooled and mm-hmm. in, in yes. high school or yes. middle school and i mean talk about tennis like mm-hmm. i had friends that homeschooled to play tennis mm-hmm. and because they wanted to play tennis in college and some of them have and college is their first ever yeah. co-ed experience with people and they're learning all these like new social interactions i would go crazy mm-hmm. well that's often those are the people that kind of go off the rails either yeah. either, either you revert back into your being an introvert like so like in your own world or you it's like, an extreme it's like it's, so it's so stimulating that you find yourself in just like really rough yeah. situations no and yeah. obviously not everyone's like that i don't want to like stereotype homeschoolers but i think that is a reality you know no but you make a good um point with greek life that it gives you that social interaction mm-hmm. and it gives you it's a yeah that's i've never thought about it social that way cues too honestly like the simple things of like going on um like the formals and things like that especially if you didn't get to go to prom like think you know things like that i think just some people like for example guys like some of them don't know like it's proper to like open the door for a girl like shit like that and to to us like it's normal but to the people who didn't experience like prom or high school or mm. even college like they actually are completely unaware of this mm. so that's why i personally think it's important to have it there um there's definitely ways to improve it obviously but like you know what I would think- you do to improve it if you were like national of dg yeah if you were in a leadership <laughs> position or even at chapman what what could yeah i mean i think like i think at chapman so i don't know someone that i always admired a lot you i don't know if you guys experienced her you probably didn't her name is monica Choi, and she was the president. i remember her yeah she was the president uh when i was a junior yeah and so basically she always uh listened to the crowd basically and listened to uh, the chapter and tried to understand what it is that we want what it is that we don't want and she tried to incorporate principles around those desires to make it effective like as a system instead of like reacting to what people want or Mm -hmm. reacting to something that happened maybe you know we gone 
really bad trouble or something instead of getting reactive she like created a system where people could really find a way to enjoy their time in the chapter so, so she was extremely proactive yes, instead of yeah. waiting till after the fact and yeah then putting and out taking initiative too yeah i like that that's awesome so, yeah. and you said you had her on your podcast mm-hmm. yeah. yeah oh that's so yeah, cool so, yeah, i never really got to talk to her but i saw i saw some photos of her for like she did delta queen i think mm-hmm. i've heard that she's like was the best she DG was the president, best the president. best hands down wow. yeah she was my first friend at chapman too like when i Aww. reached out to transfer like she we had like our first like dinner day or whatever and mm-hmm. she literally like we had a five-hour conversation that night like the first time That's we met so cool. it was pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. So. i love people like that mm-hmm. they're hidden gems yeah you know? she's a hidden yeah. gem for sure yeah so in terms of like the pandemic, obviously posing a lot of issues for recruitment mm-hmm. and I don't even, I mean, a lot of schools have already fully canceled their recruitment for the fall. Uh-huh. I'm not really sure about what happened, what will happen for the spring, but I feel like for fraternities, especially how are they going to have parties? Everything is going to change. I don't even know what they're going to do. Yeah. I guess we're just going to have to wait to find out. But and- I, I honestly, this is why I kind of brought up the Greek life thing is because this could be the end of it. Yeah. Given that we can't figure well, out the health precautions. I, I think that people have, like there has been a group of people that have been wanting to get rid of Greek life for a really long time. Harvard got rid of Greek life. Like hazing. so many. Because of hazing. Because of hazing, because of sexual assault, those types of things. I don't think that you see that as much at Chapman because you don't have Greek, the Greek houses. Mm-hmm. So I think that eliminates a lot of like the issues of people staying at one place yeah, really late the houses at night. Are huge. Like having a lot of like group think. I mean if you have a house full of like eighty boys, I can see like how it's group think. Yeah. yeah. So I think honestly there should be a more reform versus an elimination of Greek life because of the good things that you brought up. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately I think that a lot of people don't want that to happen for whatever reason. And I think that there's been this momentum and then you throw in the p- pandemic and it's going to be a really nice excuse for them to kind of just shut everything down. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, I mean, how do you even have parties in a pandemic? I'm not sure. I mean, I heard that the South was still having normal school. Okay. As, as far as I know, like Georgia and like Alabama, I heard they're still doing normal classes and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I like personally, like obviously there's a lot of people that might disagree with me or will disagree with me, but I personally think like, I mean, obviously, after this year, honestly, after, like, all the vaccine stuff, and, like, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I probably won't take the vaccine. I've heard many people probably won't either, but at the same time, I think that in itself will give people comfort in yeah. going back to normal life a little bit. Like, some yeah, people are literally yeah. just waiting for that before they go travel or before yeah. they hop state. Some like, people need that go-ahead or yes. that green light yes. to yeah. feel like yes. they have sanity in order to feel safe yeah which is crazy i think we kind of saw that in arizona which is where jordan and i are from it was like once the governor said it's fine everything went back to Mm -hmm. normal but it's Mm -hmm. not like anything the science changed it wasn't like they're like the infection you could still get infected by going out but some people really like in order to take the risk they need some authority figure to tell you it's okay instead of you just deciding and i'm probably the same way i don't think i'll take the vaccine right off of it and i probably won't either vaccines i won't get into it it's another health health related podcast but i have to yeah (laughs) okay so i want to pivot a little bit Mm -hmm. because we were talking talking about greek life i want to talk about the podcast and your blogging and kind of just overall what are your tips on time management when you have this many things going on? Mm-hmm. And as we're encouraging people to have multiple hobbies and multiple kind of outlets for their time and, mm-hmm. and to expand your knowledge on the world, 
how do people do that when you're working a nine to five job Mm -hmm. or, um, obviously you don't, you have restrictions and it can be hard. My number one tip that I've learned over the, you know, I guess just from trial and error is definitely time blocking. So something I do is like, instead of doing podcast, blog, my nine to five job and my business all in one day, I I only have specific days that I would do Mm -hmm. those like things outside of my nine to five. So for example, I only record episodes on Wednesdays and Thursdays for my podcast. Like every week it's like that. And it rarely changes unless a guest cannot do one of those days. Um, same thing with like my business. I only do it on certain days. Like, I only pack dresses on certain days. I only answer emails on certain days. I only do website maintenance on certain days, like things like that. Wow. Yeah. That's, a, I've ne- that's really yeah. smart. So basically it's because our brain like... Like it's like it's like running for example like once you start running uh let's say you know you have to run three miles like once like the first like five minutes might be a little bit tough but then once you get into the momentum it's easier to like keep going right mm-hmm. and then once you stop yeah. it's like hard it's like a car when you stop that's and huge go, with me because right? i'm so start to finish yeah like, if i start something i have to finish it exactly it makes me freak out so <laughs> basically you're just gonna be more efficient when you do like that one specific um like part of your life or whatever in that day and then like switch the next day and like do something okay. else like your brain will like do it more at a more efficient you're more focused yeah versus like stopping and then like going again because just like a car like you have to like press it a lot before to accelerate things like that so same thing with like our brain Mm -hmm. when we're doing like if i'm trying to switch from my podcast like a blog or whatever like it'll take time to like switch gears and like get into this mode or yeah even switch your mindset Mm -hmm. too yeah Yeah. it's switching your mindset yeah and and your focus for sure exactly i think that okay so that's definitely the opposite of having just a bunch of different things all in one day and yeah. giving like a little bit of attention moving mm-hmm. to the next thing or going at back least to it. if you do want to do it like let's say maybe you don't have like four or five things like i do let's say it's like three and you do want to do it all in one day at least like do them all like do one at minimum in a two to three hour block like don't go like one hour this one hour this one hour this like you want to make sure it's like a time block and then like go get lunch and then come back and then switch gears and do something else but like keep it in like like an actual block of time like when you go to school typically you'll have class in like this period like as you get older like senior year you're usually like all right i'm gonna try to like put it here and then like go home yeah right so same thing it's like i try to do it in this period and then like shift Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely do that on top of class Mm -hmm. i mean i try to plan out okay tomorrow i'm gonna do this Mm -hmm. at that time but in terms of a nine to five setting that's super different if people don't have the ability to kind of get off on Mm -hmm. a certain day Mm -hmm. um but that is really cool for you that you have like those days that you have available time that you can dedicate to those other projects that you have going on yeah um with your podcast specifically do you have an ultimate goal with it um what kind of made you start it and what's allowed you to stay so committed to it Yeah, so I think my podcast is probably what I'm most passionate about in everything I do. Um, I think it's because I realized I have like a knack for public speaking and for kind of just speaking to the Gen Z female um, audience just because I I realize a lot of my lifestyle habits and the things I do are very different from kind of what we're taught. You know, I think oftentimes like we're in school, for example, they don't really teach you how to think about like what you want for your life they're like okay you know right like oh you're a marketing major or like you know business admin major you can go into marketing you can go into real estate whatever and it's always about like a certain job Mm -hmm. and then when I realized like 
I started living a life that I really was fulfilled by and was like, oh my God, like this is so cool. So many people told me I was never going to be able to do a nine to five and have my own business and have all these things. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, why can't I teach this to other people as well? Like, why can't I help change the next generation so they I don't have that. to fall into the trap or, you know, like, cause that the trap that I was given, but never fell into. Yeah. And so I, I really want to let other young women see that they can do it as well because I'm not you know some like girl that can't like has a life that's unattainable like I was yeah. your I'm your everyday girl grew yeah, up relatable in a, yeah for sure grew up in a small town mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania moved out to California it's not like anything I did was impossible so I want to give that permission to them as well or help them like see it as well um and so basically my goal with my podcast is obviously to kind of continue to use that as my public speaking platform and then later on be able to use Emily Elizabeth like my name as my own brand and be able to speak at you know, female focused mm-hmm. conferences, events. Um, wow. So you already really, have yeah, that. That's, really that's cool. huge. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So, I mean, we definitely talk about that too, mm-hmm. about, um, yeah, kind of questioning why it was when we were growing up that they kind of tried to marginalize us into mm-hmm. more um, specialized. This is your, pick your one major, pick your right. one minor, and right. then you, and then go on this path and then you'll have this job mm-hmm. after college. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's a big reason why a lot of people are not fully fulfilled by that setup is because I do think that we secretly long for having multiple things mm-hmm. going on. And I think people either already know that, but are restricted because they obviously have to make a living for themselves or they just don't know it because mm-hmm. they've never been um, given that perspective before yeah I think that I was super lucky that my parents gave me that perspective like my dad came from the position he's like listen if you don't want to go to college we're not going to force you to go you know and it was like everyone from my school did go to college you know so it just it was nice having that perspective in the back of my head but I do agree that I think a lot of people a lot of Gen Z um, both female and males don't have that perspective and Mm -hmm. I really respect you for giving them that and I also think that something that we see in our culture a lot is kind of this like people like weighing you down and kind of this like victim mentality and it's actually so freeing to hear someone like you who grew up in a small town move to California and built the lifestyle that you've always want and was super successful at it and there's there's a formula that goes with that Mm -hmm. and it's really nice for you to be able to share that with other people yeah Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I think what drove me too is like I grew up um kind of like with semi-traditional Asian parents, like not, like my dad is definitely much more modern than my mom. Like Mm -hmm. my mom, I think has always believed, uh, I hate to say it, I personally, I always tell her this, I think she's sexist a little bit. Like I have an older brother and she has always kind of noted that he's going to be a little bit more successful than me. And I always ask like, why? And she's like, she wouldn't say, she's like, no, I think you're both going to be successful. Because men have to be the breadwinners. And then I always, and I always told her like, oh, it's because he's the guy, right? And like, he's like older, right? And all these things. And I told her like, if you come out into today's world right now, like I could have so many people like hate you for that because we're in a world where female empowerment is growing. They're really trying to diversify like, you know, more female CEOs or more female leaders and more of them being basically a boss right and Mm -hmm. so I think to me I always felt I always questioned like that that kind of thinking and again that's my mom's like culture like you know being Vietnamese and whatnot Mm -hmm. and that's just like they're supposed to be more soft-spoken they're supposed to be more obedient listen to what they're told I was not a great daughter per se. I never listened to what I was told. I was always out late. Yeah, so I think this is like me. I'm just sitting here going, this is me. This is my life. But that's the thing that I want. Like, I think that's why I was so passionate about it is because I was not a cookie cutter, like, 
4.0 kid or like had a stellar SAT score or was like you know a a great child like my mom was always like oh Emily like you talk back all the time you never (laughs) listen you like you're never gonna go far in life because you don't listen to your parents I said like fucking watch me like (laughs) you know what I mean and I, I sorry I hate to swear but it's just like that's how passionate I am about it because I just don't I don't believe in uh, spitting a narrative, like uh, like a parent spitting a narrative to their 18-year-old daughter that they can do this, this, and this because that's what they said. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I obviously was one of the people that didn't listen to my parents and like, you know, moved out to California. I respect that. Of course, I yeah. still have their support. Like, they still love and support yeah, me yeah. fully. But they're the type of people that were always like, okay, like, you know, do that, but then like have a back up because yeah like that's probably not going to work out type of thing and I said I think most parents have that side especially of that generation of that age I mean my my mom kind of has that sense too and it's just because of the the time that they grew up in is completely different than Mm -hmm. now and you kind of have to break your parents in a little bit Mm -hmm. I mean obviously some are more lenient than others on what they are going to be supportive of right but um I mean yeah it sounds like your parent yeah your parents are completely supportive it's just like um, they voiced their opinion right. and posed another solution. Exactly. But I don't know. Everyone's different. And I think that exactly. at least as a parent, you need to be aware that... Right. You got to I mean, be aware of like the changing culture, yeah. like what's going on now. Like the world is not the same as when my mom was like my age right now. And yeah. I don't think she, she understands now, but like it, t- it took her a long time to see that. And I think in the meantime, it's like you have, like I had to go through you know, building my own thing without getting like the full emotional support, I'd say is like more of what I didn't have. So what do you, what do you, what do you attribute to you being able to kind of break away from your mom's traditional, um, cultural, like outlook on life and kind of adapt this other mindset that kind of counterbalance how you were raised? Like, what do you think, what do you attribute to that? I think just, um, honestly, I've always been like a huge uh, book lover, so I read a lot, and I always like to understand how other people think and how they built their life or the principles their life was on, and so I think just hearing other stories and seeing like that they also as as well maybe didn't listen to their parents or, you know, they're in their 40s and 50s now, very successful on their own, doing what really aligned with them and seeing that they also didn't listen to their parents mm-hmm. um but still made out on the other side that's cool i think that's to me was like okay eye-opening like okay really i respect my parents i love them but i'm gonna show them like it's not about listening to you all the time that's gonna make me like be successful in life um i'm often gonna have to disagree with you because i think for myself like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna do something just because you said it's correct and you're Mm -hmm. 20, 30 Mm -hmm. years older than me, like just because you are an older generation doesn't mean you know what's best in today's world. Yeah. Yeah. And books, books are a great Mm -hmm. method of seeing those new and and different perspectives. But I also think on top of books, we have so much more exposure to other people's lives and other people's journeys through social media and podcasts and all these other forms of content that we constantly Mm -hmm. consume. So, I mean, obviously we're going to kind of see that and interpret oh well they did this and Mm -hmm. they got there and that Mm -hmm. person did this and that person got there there is no roadmap to how okay if you do this and then this and then this you're going to get to this point in life Mm -hmm. there are so many variables that come into play and so maybe that's kind of the difference between what they were exposed to at their age and how many things they were able to relate to compared to the world that we live in now where we're all connected and we can see all these other journeys like all at once yeah and I've come to understand that too as I've gotten older like I've become much more empathetic and like understanding to their perspective and like why you know my mom could think a certain way and Mm -hmm. whatnot so I try to 
put that ahead of my like stubbornness and yeah. like wanting to you know think for myself so I, you know we get better as we get older yeah for sure for sure I think stubbornness is a good quality I think it has a negative connotation at yes. least in terms of a child and parent <laughs> sense like I mean my parents always call me stubborn but Same. it's an indicator that you are an independent thinker and mm-hmm. you're not just absorbing what everyone else is telling you and saying okay and complying mm-hmm. to everything yeah and Jordan so, and I were just talking about this but we were like didn't you say you think like America specifically like Americans are very stubborn people because I think we're we naturally are. stubborn so I think. we're so independent and naturally like rebellious that I think it makes sense why each generation is constantly evolving and rebelling against their parents because <laughs> just getting like, worse we just are, worse. we're just going with the culture. What about when with, we're like, parents? Yeah. What, are, what are our kids gonna? I don't even want to think about that. Oh my god! I am excited for. Um, I guess I'm. I'm excited for this shift in in women in like the corporate industries though because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, Ella and I have talked about this a lot that we. I've always felt at least that. I had this huge decision that I had to make and that mm-hmm. kind of falls in line with what my parents were always telling me that they wanted me to be aware that if I want to have a family that there's going to be other factors that could kind mm-hmm. of make it harder but I've always just known in the back of my head like I'm going to do whatever I want to do mm-hmm. and I'm going to be able to like set my mind to something and not feel stressed out because if it's going to make me happy it's going to make me happy exactly. and I feel like if you give yourself that pressure that you're going to have pressure, then it's going to happen. But if you kind of get into the mindset of, no, you can do anything that you want to do, then that pressure is going to be automatically lifted because, I don't know, it's it's all about like your Mm -hmm. perception of it and your attitude, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Something to, um, you know, with women kind of coming up more to power and and going into more corporate roles, something that Jordan and I noticed is that a lot of, podcasters are men like there mm-hmm. aren't a ton of top 10 like female podcasters on <sighs> apple like get the, me started the highest one i've seen is like call her daddy mm-hmm. and not that i don't like i don't give a shout out to those girls but it's like it's still about sex it's not even mm-hmm. about like the what your one, podcast is about you know the mm-hmm. first truly popular sole female podcast was call her daddy mm-hmm. i mean it's it's normally always in the top 10 at least on apple podcast mm-hmm. charts but that's it and it's about sex mm-hmm. and it's like what right. I guess it just leads me to think is it because the women only want to listen to that or is it because the only male listeners that would listen to a female podcast it has to be about yeah. sex or something mm-hmm. related to that I don't know it's it's a really big question that, I have. That's, that's honestly why I am also again so passionate about like the things that I talk about because I genuinely don't believe enough females of our generation and younger like have been taught that they can think a certain way and that they can make certain decisions and like be gorgeous and also like a boss thinker and like do be all of it basically i feel like so many people were just taught a certain narrative like be this or like be this and Mm -hmm. you know uh, be a little bit more soft-spoken or be a little bit more um you know more of a female and more of a woman i just think like because that's feminine exactly and i've always been a very assertive kind of um more business savvy type of female and i think that's a little bit more rare for female population, but I don't want that to be like Mm -hmm. for the younger ones, because when they see that you can be, and it's someone that's your classic everyday girl as well, they feel like they can be good thinkers as well and still speak with, you know, eloquence and, you know, and and still do whatever they want in life and not have to be talking about sex or 
blowjobs and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Top selling. I mean, they're making money, so right. props I have to, give, to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's definitely something to point out that that is there. And mm-hmm. that it's in a lot of other forms of media, at least for women and the types of content that we consume. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I totally support that. Like for younger girls and mm-hmm. like the Gen Z girls that your demographic is. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I I hope that it continues like that, that girls are taught that you can grow up to kind of have more options than Mm -hmm. just what, I guess, society has said in the past. You have to fit some sort of mold or, and honestly, a lot probably contributes to the family thing and Mm -hmm. having to choose, unfortunately, but I am excited to see the change and I've never, I'm really grateful that I grew up in an environment where I was like going to be supported no Mm -hmm. matter what Mm -hmm. way I thought. Yeah, sure. and when you're and when you're, when you're saying that you're assertive, mm-hmm. what does assertive mean to you? At least when you're growing up and like challenging those yeah. um, stereotypes. <laughs> stereotypes, yeah. I think like for example, I was never afraid to speak up, right? Like that was something huge. My mom always told me like she always was so scared that I was always gonna say something that would piss someone off and like maybe would, they would want to get in a fight with me or something. And I was never afraid of that because I told my mom like I would rather. I would rather speak up, for, for example, if, if like the teacher said two plus two is five and I raised my hand to correct him and say, no, it's four. Like she, you know, she would probably be like, Emily, you shouldn't speak up. Let someone else correct him. And I would always be like, no, I'm going to speak mm-hmm. up regardless. Like I'm going to, you know, there's a lot of timid people that would also yeah. still not speak up. Right. And I would just say, Hey, professor or whatever. The answer is actually four, not five. And you know, a lot of people live in fear of pissing someone else off. And I think I will also want to change that narrative where it's, valuable to help correct people when they're incorrect Mm -hmm. because that is how you're going to change the future generation and the future society like if people continue to live with belief about something that's incorrect when they when you when you change that belief and actually change it for them to understand what really is true yeah Yeah. the truth will live on but then if you never correct it the truth the the false narrative will always continue to live on and so for me I think that was something that was a reason why I've always been assertive because I said it doesn't make sense for for us to be taught something that's incorrect why can't I help contribute to make the generation in that classroom better yeah and also the okay so if reasoning is for fear of pissing someone off Mm -hmm. that's not reasoning because that's their fault right and people who have a fault like that should be either put in their place and Uh help them correct it so that more of their mistakes can be because mm-hmm. it's good to be a critic of yourself but like when other people critique you and mm-hmm. criticize you and it when it's presented in a respectful way uh-huh. there's absolutely no need to be yeah. upset about i mean i that. think it's also just like in it's for the ones who are timid like they're afraid of conflict and i think naturally as humans we're afraid of conflict we never want to like say no to a friend because we don't want them to get pissed at us right and so i think it's just for me, I, I don't get scared of those things because I think like, okay, if I understand that they're going to likely feel this way, I can prepare mm-hmm. how I'm going to word it so that they don't. So again, that's like using another part of your brain, like emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. understanding how to think a certain way. Um, yeah, no, I think that what's interesting about that is that, I don't know, I, I think um, with emotional intelligence, like you've talked about that a lot and... Um, 
I don't know. I just think that that's so important that people develop and continue to do that. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think also the assertiveness thing too. I also apply like socially, like with guys, for example, a huge one, like a lot of my friends will always be like, oh, like don't go up to him. Like let him come up to you. And I said, why not? Oh, so you're one of those girls. Oh yeah. (laughs) I see. I haven't been in like the outside of college realm. I have only really been exposed to college men recently uh-huh. and unfortunately they're not at the maturity level that I want them to be right at least for my preference oh yeah I don't know if you have any advice on that <laughs> yeah but, um, well my advice in college if you prefer older men go for older men I mean I personally do um, I think you have to be assertive with guys nowadays yeah I'm, I'm def- I definitely <laughs> otherwise don't, you don't get what you want I definitely like, don't yeah. mind making the first move but then it also set the expectation like if you want to date me you take initiative yeah but like for example if I see a cute guy at a bar I'm not gonna like let the opportunity slide I'm gonna go up and yeah. say like hey right life but is so short Right. Don't waste the time. And there's a lot of when... girls, like, I've been in, like, you know, I don't know, like, D.C. last year, July 4th, and I told my friend, hey, like, those guys are cute, let's go up to them. She's like, oh, no, 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 let's, like, let them come up to us. And I'm like, no wait, way. wait, wait, why would we wait? Like, why not just go up to them? Yeah. That's the thing, too. Guys, when the narrative of woman is, like, oh, passive, right, or, like, they let things come mm-hmm. to them or be soft-spoken, when you do something that's outside of that norm, like, guys, for example, will be impressed by that. I agree. A lot of times, like, mm-hmm. I've had guys tell me, like, oh, like, it was very exciting to see you come up to me. And, you know, oftentimes they feel the same way as us. Like, they don't like rejection either. So Almost they don't like it. They hate it more than Because us. they're more egotistic typically. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something I, I yeah. advocate for. Go up to him. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like, whoop-de-doo. Yeah. And like, then the you world can, moves on. And then you can go home and <laughs> I'm being like, all right, well, I shot my shot. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then that's and fine. And that's like what guys have thing. to face all the time. So... You know what yeah, I mean? they face it more than we do. And yeah. honestly, yeah. when I was in when I was in London this semester, I did that a lot because like I was actually what do you have to just, lose? I had nothing to yeah. lose. I was in a foreign country and mainly it was to set up my friends because there was kind of um, my now boyfriend, like we were kind of talking, so I wasn't really personally incentivized to like be with any of these guys. When you take out all of the fear, like literally, I could just go up to a random British person, start talking. <laughs> British he would, person, a man, I guess. <laughs> he would buy me a drink, and then I'd pull my friend over, and I'd be like, "Hey, you guys, go talk, like <laughs> figure it out." And honestly, it was pretty successful. Like a lot of su- success rates. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice when you aren't doing it for yourself. You have like an excuse, to, like help your friends. But I need to get better at that too just kind of like sending it why yeah. not like what do you yeah. have to just, lose just go up to them make conversation I definitely agree I'm not a huge fan. I never really dated anyone like college age like when I dated my ex for four years he was two and a half years older than me so by the time I was a junior he already graduated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's something I advise to like if you feel like a lot of the guys your age are immature or it just doesn't click with you mm-hmm. definitely go for someone yeah. at, at minimum like three years three four mm-hmm. years yeah, Personal and I advice. honestly think that that whole timid timid and non-confrontation mm-hmm. factor um, kind of ties back to the stereotypes that women have and, mm-hmm. and girls are taught that you have to be more reserved and not kind of challenge anything exactly. and, and wait for things well, to pan out so that you have a perfect time. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm probably explaining it badly, well, but you can get uh-huh. what I'm saying. Well, what's funny is that actually being assertive it's kind of like the stubborn thing has a negative connotation but it's actually a really good thing because if you're not assertive you're usually aggressive right so if you don't learn to be assertive you might like that might flare up in other ways where you might be timid all the time but sometimes my most timid friends are the most aggressive and mean when we get into a fight and they can't be like rational mm. and like yeah, logical and they can't that, call yeah. it so there's a lot of like internal conflict yeah going yeah because you're suppressing you you're suppressing yeah, so much stuff whereas like for me i'm pretty assertive so if something bothers me i'm just gonna either 
ex- like I'm either going to accept it and not let it bother me or if it still bothers me, I'm going to just tell that person and mm-hmm. move on so that I don't have yeah. to have the weight on me, you know? Mm-hmm. We'll just and, waste time. And I think a lot of females feel like they have to be, what you said, have to be timid so they never learn the skill set of being assertive and mm-hmm. they... Um, get taken advantage of and it's really sad well to see. jordan peterson talks about this all the time that the most successful people in a corporate setting are the ones who are low in agree- agreeableness that have more of an assertive factor that yeah. say speak mm-hmm. their mind more unfiltered and the people that are high in agreeableness are the ones who end up getting kind of rolled over mm-hmm. because i don't know maybe when you're agreeable and you're more submissive mm-hmm. um it, ge- it gives off this vibe that the other person can get away with more, mm-hmm. even if it's not right or even if well, it's wrong. And even if that person, even if your boss isn't evil, like people just don't, they don't have enough time to think through like, how can I give this person the best benefit? So if you aren't an advocate for yourself, you're not going to get that. And something that Jordan Peterson brings up, which I don't think we talk about, but he said one of the biggest issues why we have such a, a wage gap with female and male things is this agreeableness and women aren't taught to not be as agreeable as we, as <laughs> yeah, society so we makes wonder us. why that's so there. So we wonder it's... why that's there. It's because women don't learn how to be an advocate for themselves, and then they get into these environments where they have a male, you know, boss or something. Yeah, yeah. and I think it also ties back to like a relationship standpoint that for some reason there's always been this narrative that if women are assertive or if they are non-agreeable, like a dominant, that that's mm-hmm. not like attractive, right. or that's not like sexy, or that's yep. not like feminine. But I don't know. Maybe that is on the guys. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's something my mom always told me. She's like, oh, if you're too dominant or if you're too alpha. And that'll like show. She yeah. said yeah. that you'll always push guys away. I said, no, just watch me. Because I always told her you'll push the wrong ones away. Like if they, if they can't like handle someone like that is also, I mean, I'm not like feisty, but I definitely, I'm not afraid. It scares to, certain guys yeah. for sure. And I'm like, and those were not the ones like I should be dating anyway. Yeah. Like if you're like too scared to be they around someone. They have an someone. ego complex. Yeah. yeah. Like if your ego is that fragile that you yeah. can't date me because I exactly. pose like a threat to you mm-hmm. in a way, then yeah, you shouldn't you be shouldn't dating be those dating guys. Me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Find someone else that could fit that mm-hmm. balance exactly. better. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I just kind of realized some stuff right now. <laughs> <laughs> Ella, we will talk about about this later <laughs> um just to kind of I mean we've talked about a lot of different things and mm. we loved having you on this just to kind of wrap this up um all of your hard work do you or all of your success really do you contribute that to hard work or luck or kind of a combination of both um I would say definitely a combination of both um I'm not a believer that everything happens for a reason but I do believe in the coincidence of timing Mm -hmm. like I I believe there's just some factor in there that obviously has helped Mm -hmm. a lot of my success and all my hard work um so definitely a combination of that but also a combination of just you know um the the effort I put in the desire to wake up early and the desire to go to bed by a certain time the the desire to say no to going out on nights where a lot of people in college do so Mm -hmm. um I think it's just a matter of discipline and choice and then obviously just good timing yeah I also think a lot of people kind of think that oh after they graduate college something will just kind of fall into your lap Mm -hmm. or that that motivation or that drive will somehow just come at some certain certain point in time I actually think you have to create that Mm -hmm. you kind of have to create that time you have to create that motivation from okay discovering what it is that you Mm -hmm. like or um with all these all these um outlets that you've gathered knowledge from putting that together to create something mm-hmm. that you're proud of and that will incentivize you to wake up the next day. So I think that, yeah, as much as things can just kind of happen, you kind of also have to put in that work 
to get yourself to where you want to be and like to create those windows of opportunity. I'm a firm believer in... You can't just wait around for stuff to just kind of happen Mm -hmm. and for things to just pan out. You have to create your own opportunities, really. And that's Mm -hmm. honestly what I've always done. Like all the things I've done to get my business into stores globally, I reached out to the owners of the stores and just constantly nag them like five, six times a week until (laughs) until they said yes. That's like a true story. Yeah. So so many people don't realize sometimes you have to really cross the line to like not in a bad way but in a way where it feels uncomfortable but that's how you will succeed in certain times because you have to create it for yourself mm-hmm. you're not gonna let you it's not gonna be like gonna, it's not gonna fall in your lap you know same thing with guys and honestly anything in life like you can't just let them come to you like sometimes yeah you have, have the initiative. courage yeah. it's okay to be uncomfortable for a slight portion of your life or mm-hmm. that time so that you can get a better outcome and mm-hmm. like a, a reward for it yeah. okay yeah. that's really cool <laughs> do you have any last words of advice um I guess like the one thing I live by I think um what is the quote it's like never take no for an answer and if you're getting a no you're asking the wrong person oh that's okay. good it's like you always who's your manager like yeah that sort of thing. you're always gonna find a way it's kind of like my my like belief system and like if you don't want it enough you will find an excuse mm-hmm. so as as you and know, not all answers are gonna show just completely clear exactly. you have to critical think and think exactly. outside the box yeah. and yeah. creatively to find that answer mm-hmm. okay you i really like that questions. and the don't <laughs> and never take no for an answer is like mm-hmm. one of the most long longest living quotes of all time exactly yeah. <laughs> okay all right well um, do you have anything else, Ella? No, I think we're good. Thank you, Emily, for coming. Yeah, it was great. Being yeah, able check to out and do check this. out her podcast. What What fulfills you? Mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Spotify, all, all of them. them. Yep. Okay, uh-huh. sweet, awesome. Yeah. And um, maybe we'll have you again another time. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.